Hey, good morning, church. It is great to be back here at Church on the Rock. I'm looking out, and uh, I see a, a lot of familiar faces, and I see a lot of new faces, and that's a good thing, to know that God is still doing a great work here in Huntley, and it is a thrill for us to be back uh, I know Ann was working the lobby before service, but uh, in, in case you didn't get a chance to greet her, Ann, would you stand up and uh, just allow people to <laughs> greet you this morning? As I said, it is great to be back. This is a wonderful church. Uh, my history with, with Pastor Brian goes all the way back to the days in Carpentersville, we welcomed them when they came to the Illinois district. And uh, for those of you who don't know us, we have journeyed through this church with this church throughout all of your time together. And uh, it's just, as I said, wonderful to be back here. I feel like I'm at home, and, uh, and that's a great feeling to have. This morning, I want to take a few minutes to talk on the topic of interruptions. Anybody in this room have an interruption in your lifestyle recently? Uh, in case you haven't, in case you're trying to understand what I mean by the term interruption, let me give you this definition of an interruption. An interruption is something that shows up that you did not cause, that you did not choose, or that you did not anticipate. There it is. That's an interruption. And it ranges all the way from a detour on the way to work one morning or a detour on the way to church to a pandemic season that we are now in. I mean, let's face it, every one of us in this room is living in an interruption. Things are not the way we are accustomed to and they probably will never go back. Our work life has changed, our home life has changed, schools have changed, everything around, the way we go out to restaurants has changed, everything around us has changed, and for that, we are in the middle of an interruption. And for you as a church, you are now in the middle of a pastoral transition. And for a church, that is a major interruption. But let me give you a new definition for interruption. This is a, a definition that I believe God has planted on my heart. An interruption is a course-changing, life-giving God moment. Now let me break that down for you. I'm going to begin with the last one first. It is a God moment. I want you to know that God is not surprised by the interruptions of our lives. God does not wake up, if he does wake up, God does not wake up some morning and go, oh my goodness, what in the world is happening in the life of Sam or Charlie or Marianne or what is going on at Huntley, at Church on the Rock? I didn't see this coming. God never has that kind of a moment. God is still on the throne. Can I get an amen? 
God is still in charge. God still has a plan. Can I get an amen? Come on. God has a plan. So whatever kind of interruption that you are going through, I want you to know that it is a God moment that God is going to use this interruption maybe for a course change. Maybe there is something that needs to be changed. A direction needs to be changed. A vision needs to be changed. An understanding needs to be changed. Something needs to be changed. And as a result of it, it will become life giving. We are not in the middle of interruptions to tear us down, but God uses our interruptions to build us up. God is taking us from where we are to where he wants us to be. Come on, somebody. An interruption is a course-changing, life-giving God moment. If you agree with that, give me an amen. Now, I want you, I want you to see this in Scripture. I want you to understand how God can be in control in the middle of a course-changing, life-giving moment. So if you have a copy of God's Word, open it up this morning to Acts chapter 3. Whether it's an old-fashioned tree version like what I have, or it's a fancy little e-version that's on your phone, Acts chapter 3, and I believe the scriptures uh, will probably be up on the screen as well. Acts chapter 3, and I'm beginning to read in verse number 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I want to begin with this thought. Prayer prepares our hearts for interruptions. Look at verse number one again. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Everybody say prayer. Let me say it again. Prayer prepares our hearts for interruptions. If there is a truth that we can transfer from the early church to today... It is the truth that the early church was a praying church. The early church knew how to pray. 
In Acts chapter 1, after Jesus has ascended into heaven, the little group of believers goes back to Jerusalem and Acts chapter 1 in verse 14 says that they gathered together and they were constantly in prayer. This was a praying church. Just a few verses down from that, the church is now getting ready, or these early believers are now getting ready to find a replacement among the disciples to replace Judas. And it says two names were brought forth. And now that they had two names, verse 24 says they went together in prayer before they cast their votes. They were a praying church. And then in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1, we read that they are gathered together in an upper room and they are doing what Jesus had told them to do back in Acts chapter 1 and verse 7. Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem and wait for the gift that my Father is going to send. And so in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, they are gathered together in the upper room. They are waiting on God. They are praying. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them on that day. And you know the rest of the story. Peter goes out in the street and preaches a message and 3,000 people are saved. And so I am not surprised to find in Acts chapter 3 and verse number 1 that at the time of prayer, at the time the church was gathering to pray, Peter and John are on their way to prayer. You see, prayer prepares our hearts for interruption. In church, if there's anything that we can do in the moment of an interruption, it is to be a praying church. Can I get an amen? Come on. We need to be a praying church. That is when God is going to move. And so Peter and John are on their way to church at 3 in the afternoon for the prayer meeting. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, I don't have time to go to church to pray. I don't have time for the prayer meeting. I don't want to be a part of the prayer meeting. Can I tell you, if anyone in Scripture had an excuse for not going to the prayer meeting, it would have been Peter and John. I mean, think about it. Peter and John have just spent the last three years with Jesus. They were with him every day. They walked with him. They ate with him. They slept together. They heard every single sermon he ever preached. They saw every single miracle that he ever performed. They heard most of the prayers, at least the ones they were awake for, most of the prayers that Jesus prayed. They were with him day in and day out. As a matter of fact, they followed him as he was taken to the cross. They saw him on that cross of Calvary. And they saw him being buried into that tomb. And Peter and John are the first two people to enter the empty tomb on Resurrection Sunday. If anybody had the opportunity to say, I'm not going to the prayer meeting, it would have been Peter and John. And Peter had preached a 
message and 3,000 people had just gotten saved. They are baptized with the Holy Spirit and they could have easily said, no, I am not going to the prayer meeting. But Peter and John understood something that you and I as the church need to begin to understand. We need to learn that prayer is going to prepare our hearts for those times of interruptions. As a matter of fact, let me say it this way. The deeper our experience with God, the more sensitive we will be to the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. The deeper our experience with God, the more sensitive we will be to the move of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it another way because this is so foundational to what I'm teaching this morning. I want everyone in this room to understand this this morning. We cannot separate public ministry from private prayer. Let me say it again. You cannot separate public ministry. Am I seeing a typo on that? Yep. You cannot separate public ministry from private prayer. For every church that has great ministry, I guarantee there is a prayer room that is hot all the time. Show me a dying church and I will show you a prayerless church. Show me a church that is alive, a church that is growing, a church that is searing miracles, and I will show you a praying church. Well, that's just your opinion. That's just the way you think. No, let me back it up with Scripture. Let me back it up with Scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciples. If you want to write it down and look it up later, Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6. Listen to this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Ah, listen to this. But when you pray, go into your room, Close the door. Pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Jesus says you need to understand something, guys. You cannot have public ministry without having private prayer. It's not about standing on street corners. It's not about being all together in a prayer meeting and flowing with King James version English to make everyone think what a great prayer person you are. No, Jesus says if you want great public ministry, let it begin in private in your own times of private prayer. I want you to know this morning that the demons in hell do not care how wonderful our church buildings are. The demons in hell don't care how filled our sanctuaries are. Demons in hell do not care if you have colored lights and smoke 
smoke during your worship times. Demons in hell don't care how synchronized your worship team might be. Demons in hell are not moved by how eloquent your preacher may be. None of those things bother the demons in hell. But I'm here to tell you when the demons of hell see one little old crippled person kneel by the side of their bed in pain and begin to cry out, oh God, the demons in hell begin to shake. And when a church gets on its face before God and begins to cry out in unity, oh God, we need you. I'm here to tell you the demons in hell are running down through the back alleys of hell trying to call 911 for help because they know a praying church is going to be a miracle-giving church and they know that when that interruption comes, God is going to show up and it's going to be a life-changing, course-changing God moment and the future is going to be great because God is in the house. So come on, somebody. Give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Prayer prepares our hearts for interruptions. Here's what I want you to see next. Interruptions become a breeding ground for miracles. Interruptions become a a breeding ground or a fertile place where God can move in the midst of the interruption and a miracle will take place. Go back to the text. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Peter and John are on their way to church because at 3 in the afternoon, there is a prayer meeting. Now, I, I don't know what Peter and John were talking about that day. Luke doesn't tell us. If it was a Sunday, like today, they were probably having a conversation similar to what many of you had in the lobby before service. So, sure hope this gets out on time for that Packers-Bears game. <laughs> Who do you think's going to win today, Packers or Bears? Well, I think it's the Packers because, well, I think it's the Bears because. I don't know what Peter and John were, were talking about, but I, I don't want to think that they were so spiritual that they were walking on heavenly clouds. I, I want to believe they were having an ordinary, everyday kind of conversation. And they are walking to church at three in the afternoon for prayer, and suddenly there is an interruption. There's a beggar man who begins to ask them for alms. Now, before, before we, we all jump on this thing, let me tell you that this, this guy is not like the people we see on street corners holding a sign or walking up to your car while you're stopped at a red light, you know, to knock on your windshield. It's, he's not like one of them. This was prescribed in the Old Testament. You can read about it in the book of Leviticus and again in Deuteronomy, how God had prescribed a way for people to provide for those in need. And asking for alms was one of those ways. And so Peter and John are having their conversation who do you think is going to win today? Packers, Bears, you know, who's, what's going on? And in the middle of it, there is this man who 
looks to them begging for alms. He's, he's calling out to them looking for alms. Now, some of you need to write this down. Your attitude about an interruption will either cause you frustration or it will lead to a miracle. Let me say that again. When that interruption comes, you're driving to work in the morning and suddenly the route you normally take, there's a big detour sign, street department is out there doing some repair, and now you've got to take some other side streets. It will either cause you frustration or you will see it as an opportunity for God to move in a way that you had not anticipated. Every interruption of life is that way. Depending on my attitude, I will either see it as a frustration or I will see it as an opportunity for a miracle. Now, Peter and John could have easily looked at this guy and go, oh, man, shut up. We, we don't need this kind. We're, we're not bothered. We're, we don't have time. We've, we've got to get to the prayer meeting. I find it interesting that this man is sitting on the church steps doing this. I wonder how many people said to him, hey, listen, dude, i got to get inside for the service. I don't have time for this. You see, it wasn't a frustration for Peter and for John. They looked at it as an opportunity for a miracle. And we just read the story, and we, we know what happens here Acts chapter 4 and verse 22 tells us that this man is 40 years old. Something that had not taken place in 40 years happens in an instant. Why? Because prayer prepares our hearts for interruptions. And Peter and John said, we're not going to be frustrated by the interruption, but we are going to see the interruption as an opportunity for a miracle. I, I work with churches throughout this whole district, over 300 churches in Illinois, and this is a message that I am sharing with pastors. Listen, I understand how this COVID season has been difficult. I understand how the pandemic season has been difficult, but let's not get frustrated by it. Let's look at it as an opportunity for God to move in an entirely different way, and I believe with all my heart that the church today is on the cusp of a mighty revival if we're not going to be frustrated by it but see it as an opportunity oh God move like you've never moved before oh God move in a fresh way and I believe an interruption in the life of a church that is called a pastoral transition can either be seen as a time of frustration or as a time of a miracle when we say oh God you're going to do something great here you have not forgotten us you have not left us behind, but God, the best is still yet to come. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so, so Peter and John, I, I, I love the way the text describes the story. Peter, verse number four, says, looks at him directly and says, look at us. He says, hey, dude, look at us. Look at us. Look at me. When was the last time the church on the rock said to the Huntley community, look at us? 
When was the last time that the church, capital C, the big church, said to the world, look at us. I am so upset that the world looks at the church for all the wrong reasons. They're looking at the church because there's some crazy pastor who's done some wacky thing. They're looking at the church because there's so much fighting among the Christians. They're looking at the church because they are standing up for what they're against instead of what they are for. They are looking at the church because the church is seen as a great divide. I'm here to tell you, it's time for the church to look to the world and say, hey world, look at us because we've got something that you need. We've got the answer for what you're going through. I want you to look at us because God is about to move in a great way. Hallelujah. Peter says to this guy, hey, dude, look at us. And I love what verse number five says. So the man gave them his attention, expecting, everybody say expecting, expecting to get something from them. Wow. You see, when the church has been in the prayer room, they are prepared for the interruptions of life. And when the interruptions come, the church has the ability to say, hey world, look at us. Because we have something that you need. And the man looks at them expecting. Everybody say that word with me again. Expecting. When you came to church today, did you come expecting. I mean, what were you thinking about when you came to church today? I wonder if so-and-so is going to be here. I wonder if this person's going to be here. Oh, I saw on Facebook that, you know, Gary Blanchard's going to be there. I wonder who he is. I wonder what he's all about. Or, oh, I know that guy. It's going to be good to be with him. What were you thinking? Were you expecting when you came in that back door? Did you come here expecting? Expecting God to show up and to show out today. And I'm here to tell you, uh, it, this may be the last time I'm here, but I'm, I'm going to say this anyway, and if you don't like it, you don't come back, or I won't come back. One of us won't come back. But if you didn't come here expecting today, you should have stayed home. It's a waste of time. We need to come expecting. God, you're going to show up. God, you're going to move. God, you're going to give me a word. God, you're going to touch somebody today. God, you're going to do something great. I come here today. I got to tell you, I'm prayed up for today. I I came expecting today. I came expecting God to show up today. I came expecting the Holy Spirit to minister today. I came expecting for a move of God today. Did we come to church expecting, expecting God to do something in this place, in this time, on this day? This man looks at them expecting. Oh, if only we have been in the prayer closet. The interruption will be seen as an opportunity for a miracle. And when that interruption comes, there's a sense of expectancy. God is going to do something great here. Go back to the text with me because I, I want you to see something in verse number six. Verse number four, Peter says, hey dude, look at me. Look at me. Give me your attention. 
Verse number five says the guy looks at him expecting, expecting to receive something. And then in verse number six, Peter says, silver or gold, I do not have. Everybody say have. But what I have, everybody say have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. A hundred years ago, when uh, I was in college, um, I was an English major. And uh, so words and definitions of words and how they are, are important to me. I don't know how many of you realize have is a verb, and in this sense, it's a transitional verb. And the word have has two meanings. It can mean to hold and possess as one's own. It also can mean to hold for one's service or use. Two different Two entirely different meanings. So go back to the text. Peter says, silver and gold I do not have. Peter is saying, those things, silver and gold, I do not possess them. They are not mine to maintain. They are not mine to own. I do not have those things. I do not own those things. But he says, that which I do have that which I have the ability to hold and to use the ability to use with authority those things I do have oh come on church I don't want you to miss this I want you to catch this they have been in the prayer room their hearts are prepared for the interruption the interruption comes they see it as an opportunity for a miracle and Peter responds by saying listen all of the things that you think you need I don't own those things I don't possess those things and I don't have the ability to give those things to you but there is something that I hold there is something that I have the authority to use there is something that I have the power to use and that is what I'm going to give you today I'm going to speak to you in the name that is above all names I'm going to speak to you in the name that breaks every chain I'm going to speak to you in the name that sets captives free I'm going to speak to you in the name that brings healing. I'm going to speak to you in the name that brings restoration. I'm going to speak to you in the name that means new life. I'm going to speak to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And something is going to happen when the power touches your life. Oh, come on. Either play patty cake or give the Lord a clap. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Peter says, I, I don't own those things. See, I, I don't own what the world needs to straighten out. I'm not that smart. I don't have that ability. I, I don't own that. But that which I do have the right to use. That which I've been given the authority to use. That I have and that I'm going to give to the world. It's a power that's found in the name of Jesus. And Peter grabs hold of this man and suddenly his ankles are strengthened. This guy has not walked in 40 years. And suddenly he is totally healed. 
Are you still following me this morning? You see, prayer prepares our hearts for interruptions. And interruptions become fertile ground, a breeding place for miracles to happen. Number three, I'll close with this one. Miracles produce wonder and amazement. Miracles produce wonder and amazement. You're saying, ah, you're making that up again. No, 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 I'm not making it up. Go back, go back, go back to the text with me. One more time. Verse 8 says, he jumped to his feet and he began to walk and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all of the people saw him walking and praising God, verse 10, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. Here it is. And they were filled with, what are the two words? Wonder and amazement. You see, whenever God moves in the midst of a situation, there is always wonder and amazement. Can I ask somebody in the sound booth or something to just give me a little music as we bring this message to a close? I, several years ago, Ann and I were in Guatemala and I had the opportunity to preach for Pastor Romeo Tarasenko. I don't, I don't need the whole worship team, just give me some music. And uh, Pastor Romeo Tarasenko has a huge church. They do three services on Sunday morning. First one starts at 7 a.m. And, uh, and it was packed. Sanctuary sat 1,500 people. I preached three services that day, and as service began, Pastor Romea gave me this instruction. He said, you can preach as long as you want. Preach as hard as you want. But when there's five minutes left, the music's going to start to play. <laughs> he said, that's your sign. So if you can give me a little music, I will know I've got five minutes left. You will know I've got five minutes left. Miracles produce wonder and amazement. I, I've got a I've got a crazy theatrical mind. Remember, I was an English major, so I, I see things, and I, I, had, this, I had this crazy the, theatrical mind. I, I can only imagine what it must have been like that day to be in service. It must have been an ordinary service. Hey, let, let's be real here. It's in the middle of the afternoon. Everybody's probably had a big lunch, Right? And the guy up front is probably going through the motions. You know how it is. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. And when you're sitting in the middle of that kind of a service, I, you know, three in the afternoon, the guys have all had lunch. I can see them nodding off, you know, a, a little bit. Just, you know, everybody's sort of nodding off. It's sort of quiet. And all of a sudden they hear, you know, somebody should have oiled that back door. Nobody did. The back door begins to squeak. And I'm, I'm sure at that moment, everybody just, you know. Yeah, have you ever noticed that when you walk in late to a service, you suddenly become the focus of attention? 
Everybody wants to turn around. Oh, who's coming in late today? The back door creaks open. Everybody just kind of comes to, and they're just coming to, and all of a sudden they hear, Hallelujah! Man, that would have woken up the room. And everybody turns around, and there's this guy, 40-year-old guy, who's been begging at that gate every day for 40 years. He's coming in. Hey, everybody, look at me. Look at my legs. Look at my ankles. Hey, look at me. I'm jumping, walking. I'm doing because I've been healed by God. Hallelujah. You see, here's, here's what I found. I found that the people who have been touched most deeply by God cannot hold back their praise. When I am in a church and I see somebody going, oh, hallelujah, I'm going, oh, there's a dear old saint. But when I look out and see somebody, tears streaming down their face, and they're going, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I know there is somebody who has been touched deeply Deeply by the grace of Almighty God. Hallelujah. I, I, I was preaching out in western Illinois. This is probably 18 or 20 years ago. Little, little town, Geneseo. Little church. 15 people on a Sunday morning. That's a good Sunday. And on the Sunday we were there, there were probably 12 or 15. And, you know, the service started and Lady got up on the piano, you know, boom, 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 boom. And everybody had their hymnals, you know. Oh, God, hallelujah. It was, a, it was a dead service. And I'm sitting in the front row, and I'm thinking, oh, God, you need to show up. You need to show up, because this is going to be painful if you don't. This little church had windows on the side, and I looked out the window, and I saw two white vans pull up. I thought, well, that's kind of strange. But two white vans pull up, and out of those white vans came 15 to 18 women. They are women who were saved from the streets of Chicago by Pastor Wilfredo de Jesus at New Life Covenant Church in Chicago. New Life Covenant had bought a farm out in Geneseo. And they were rescuing prostitutes and drug addicts and drug dealers off of the streets of Chicago and taking them out to Geneseo for a two-year period of restoration and rehabilitation. And on that morning, these 15 or 18 women walked in to that little room of a dead church and I don't care what they were singing I don't care what they were saying they were shouting out oh thank you Jesus for your grace thank you Jesus for your goodness I had to turn around because I thought suddenly I am in the sanctuary with a thousand people they were making so much noise you see when God moves in your life and God moves deeply in your life there you cannot contain the amount of praise and worship that comes out because your life is now a life filled with wonder and amazement. Amen? Four things happened as a result of that miracle. Four things. If you have a... I didn't give these scriptures ahead of time, so they're probably not going to be on the screen, but if you 
If you have an old-fashioned tree version, look at verse 11. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them. You see, miracles cause a group to gather together. Miracles cause wonder and amazement. This is not an old dead and dying church. This is a church where Jesus is alive. This is a church where the Holy Spirit is moving. This is a church where lives are being transformed. And when that happens, people gather together, not because of the church name, not because of the building, not because of the people, but because they know God is in the house and God is going to do something great in this place. It gathers a people together. Uh, but remember... You cannot have public ministry without private prayer. It goes all the way back to the beginning. Prayer prepares our hearts for the interruptions. Prayer is what gets us ready so that the interruption is not a frustration, but it's an opportunity for a miracle. Are you still with me? So they gather together. Verse 11 says, people gathered together. If, if you go over to... Now, Acts chapter 4, you see that people got saved. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. 2,000 people got saved that day. Because on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. And on this day, it said the number grew to now 5,000. Simple math, 2,000 people got saved that day. You see, the miracle caused wonder and amazement and people came together and Peter begins to preach in the middle of this. 2,000 people get saved. Listen, pastoral transitions are not a time to give up. I love Pastor Brian. I love what Pastor Brian did here. But God has a different season for Pastor Brian and God has a different season for Church on the Rock. It's not a time to give up. If we've been in the prayer room, we're ready to expect God to move in a way that we've not seen him move before. God, we're believing you do things that have not been done before. And I believe that pastoral transition can be a time of increase, not decrease. About half of you believe that. That's okay. The other half of you will be convinced when it happens. I'm not a prophet, and I'm not speaking a prophetic word, but I'm just going to say, I believe it will happen. So 2,000 people get saved as a result of this. Uh, but look at Acts chapter 4, verse 3, the one just before that. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail. <laughs> See, it's not going to be smooth sailing, folks. The enemy knows you're on the cusp of a revival. It's not going to be smooth sailing. There will be attacks. But you're going to get tired of hearing me say this. Because we've been in the prayer room, we're ready for God to move. Amen? I close with this thought. It's Acts chapter 4 and Verse number 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John 
and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I love that verse. When they saw the courage, the boldness, the fortitude of Peter and John, and realized they were unschooled. No, what they're saying is, you didn't go to our schools, Peter and John. You didn't read our books. You weren't trained under our leaders. You don't do things the way we do them. What they said was, you guys are just unschooled. No, we're, we're just not doing things the way you've always done them. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and, and realized that they were not from their tribe, had not been trained the way they had been trained, had not been prepared the way they had been prepared, and that they were just ordinary good old boys, they took note of this, that they had been with Jesus. Everybody say, been with Jesus. They took note that they had been with Jesus. Can I tell you this morning that you don't need a PhD on your wall in order to minister? You don't need a D-min. You don't need an MDiv. You don't need a BA or a BS. All you need is a BWJ. If you've got a BWJ, a been with Jesus, that's all that it's going to take. It's all that it's going to take. Let me go back to what I said from the beginning. Prayer prepares our hearts for interruptions when I am in the prayer closet and in the prayer room I am now prepared for public ministry and when the opportunity comes a miracle is on the way because my God is a faithful God and he's not going to leave me where I have been he's going to move in a brand new way because I've got a BWJ I have been with Jesus so come on church give him a shout of praise in this place Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know the church has some business left that they want to do this morning, but hey, I'm up here. I'm running the show right now. We're going on my schedule. We'll do the interrupt. We'll do all the announcements at the end. How many of you would truthfully say I'm in the middle of an interruption right now? Come on, let me see a show of hands. I know if I were sitting there and somebody said that to me, my hand would be right up because I am in the middle of an interruption. If you're in the middle of an interruption right now, would you stand all over this room? Let's just stand right now. God, we are standing because we are in the middle of an interruption. Our society is in the middle of an interruption. Lord, our families are in the middle of interruptions. Our kids are in the middle of interruptions. Our schedules are being interrupted in every which way. God, we're in the middle of this thing and we're not sure when it's going to end and where we're going to be when it ends. But we know that you are in control. And as a church, Lord, we're standing in this room today because we believe we're in the middle of a God-ordained course changing life changing interruption where you're going to do something great God we believe you to move in a fresh new way we believe in a fresh new way 
And right now as a church, Lord, we commit unto you that you would have your way through this time. God, that you would do great and mighty miracles that would cause wonder and amazement at those who hear it. Father, in this room are, are people whose lives are in the middle of an interruption, maybe because of choices they've made, decisions they've made. Maybe they're in the middle of an interruption because of something that they done, did not cause. But they need you. They need you. And if that's you right now, and you need a fresh touch of Jesus upon your life, I'm going to ask you, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand so I can see it. And we're going to pray with you. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Over on this side. Yes, yes. I see hands up all over this place. Father, you know the needs. You know the needs in every heart of every hand that was lifted. And right now, Lord, I'm believing you to meet every one of those needs in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray the prayer that Peter prayed. Silver and gold I do not possess. I do not own. I cannot resolve every situation and circumstance in this room. But that which I am able to hold and to use, that which I am able to use with authority, I'm going to use right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Let every hand that was lifted begin to receive from your throne right now. Let the Holy Spirit begin to descend upon hearts and lives right now. Bring clarity to situations, understanding where it is needed. Set the captives free who need to be freed from circumstances and situations that they find themselves in. Oh God, bring hope where there's only discouragement. Bring, I pray, healing where there has been only pain and divide. May your Holy Spirit move in a mighty way. God, I'm believing you to touch hearts and lives right now all over this room in the name that is above all names, the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that right now, just put your hands together and give the Lord the biggest shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.